We are live. <laughs> yes. You did it faster this time. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark DeMeo. I'm your host. I'm here with my, uh, my co-host, my partner in all things law enforcement, the very handsome Bill Cannon. What's up, Bill? What's going on? Excited about this guest. We always hear about police training, and he's uh, he's got lots of experience, and he can talk to us about it. Yeah, I know, uh, I know our guest uh, from the police academy, working with him there. He's a master trainer. Uh, he served over, uh, he did 21 years with the NYPD. He uh, was in the police academy for 10 years. Now he's a, he's a professor? Yes, sir. At uh, John Jay College of Criminal Justice. He's also a musician, an accomplished drummer. His last band was Fleetwood Mac'd. Um, and... Uh, He's here with us this evening. Let's welcome Keith Ross. What's up, Keith? How is everybody tonight? Mark, it's great seeing you. Bill, it's great seeing you. It's been yeah, a while. I, rem I remember I used to teach at CIC, and you you were there back then. That was a yes. long time ago, right? Yes. I mean, so wait, wait before before you say anything else. Have to do it. Uh, shout out to Sonia Rivera. She was the one that made me the lead instructor for the CIC course, and her words were. I think you can do it. Now, this is a cop leading a whole class full of de salty detectives. And what she said to me is, you're a musician. You're all arrogant bastards. <laughs> that was the line that sold. That's good. Joanne Blasich, how are you? She's also, Joanne's a math teacher. So she came, she wanted to see a master professor here. So that's why she's here to watch. I'm a Marie, professor. I don't know Marie, about master. Marie Green says, hello, Keith. Does Marie Green know you, Keith? I don't. I don't know. First of all, I. I don't. I don't see any. I'm not going to get any of the chats. Correct? No, you won't see them. No. Okay. Hey, um, what was the deal with the retiring after 21 years? You know what, man? It was. It was just time. Um, I was getting tired of it. it, it it's funny. Like I was. My last six years, I was training police recruits, and I, and I really enjoyed it. It was a law instructor. Had a lot of good kids. Uh, but I was starting to get tired of the but sir question because, you know, every, every time that you teach law, you know, you, there's always one one guy or gal that thinks that they're smarter than you in the class. And so you got to cut them down a bit. And I, I just got a little tired of that. There there was some administrative stuff going on. I, and I looked at my numbers and I had prior city time. Okay. So it, it just made sense. What, what was it like towards the end? Was it changing like as far as um... – you know, like the questions the, the the recruits would ask, were they more uh, progressive? No, I don't, I don't think that. I don't think recruits are aggressive. No, I, no, progressive. I'm saying, uh, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. A, a lot of lefty questions. Not not a lot, but you 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 got some of them. More often than not, those those people would sort of they knew better than to really get too bad. So they wouldn't ask too many questions. Sometimes you could tell where they were going with that. I, I never really encountered encountered it that much because in, in the, the way I think, I'm sort of in the middle. Like I- I well, we teaching you with teaching the law or police science? What's that noise? It's law. So, you know. Bill, what's that noise? It's probably some, one of you guys, are, are your, your audio's you're moving around or something. It could have been me. I get jumpy. I'm hearing. Okay, so uh, you were teaching law or police science? Uh, I was. I, I taught everything, but I, I was primarily a law instructor. So I, I'm the one that had to teach. You know, the 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 culpable mental states, the corpus delicti, all of the charges, and how to try and figure all that stuff out. And try hey, Keith, and Keith, you want to hear something funny? Culpable mental states. Rick, recklessly, intentionally, criminally negligent, and knowingly. <laughs> uh, and you know what? Everybody remembers that. And that that's just, you know, I bet you if I, you know, for anyone here who is a, who is retired from the NYPD, I say the acronym spaceship. Most of you know what I'm talking about. You know, the court recognized exceptions to the search warrant rule. Right. So stuff well, like know, that. That's how I used to learn. I used to memorize those acronyms. Yeah, so I, I do. Know. I do the acro acronyms all the time. Um, but getting back to what you said, Mark, I it, I, I had a good time. I, I really did. No, I just I, wanted to know because um, everybody seemed to be getting on, uh, well, with the college. So they're going in with all this college. And you know what happens in college. 
Uh, well, you, you know what? L listen, I, I have a master's degree. I don't I don't think that me having a master's degree makes me the smartest guy in the room. And there, there no, are no, I'm saying about the uh, indoctrination as we continue going um, on. A lot of these recruits come in and they, they're going to be the one that's going to make a difference. They're going to be the one that is going to show everybody how it's done. And then they're at a protest like we just had over the summer and they get hit in the head with a brick. And uh, they realize, oh, these, <laughs> it's us against them. You know, you know, funny, funny enough. It you, it's easy to have that attitude when you've never been punched in the face in the street. Once you've been punched in the face in the street, that stuff sort of goes out the window. And I mean, I, I, I know you guys know what I'm talking about. That you know, you could have the best of intentions, becoming a police officer. You get out into the street, it's different than what you thought it might have been. I mean, hey, I was I was a housing cop for 10 years. Hey, uh, Keith, one of your recruits, Maximo Morel, just gave us $15. Officer Thank Ross you. was one of my instructors in the academy back in 2015, one of the best. Thank right, you so it's, much. it's right on the screen. Thank you much for that $15 super chat. I hope you're making a lot of overtime to pay that. You know? I, I hope so, too. Hey, uh, I, hope you're doing, I hope you're doing it in a safe way. Yes. That's great. Hey, let me ask you a question. What year did the water bottles come out with the names on them? I, I, oh, because I remember going when I went through the academy in '92. You couldn't um, drink water. No, but the, you you didn't have a bottle of water to to to, to carry with you while you run. Uh, everybody stood by the water fountain after, like, when you got the break. It's a kinder, gentler department. <laughs> I, I, wish I, I don't know. It, it, it happened. I think it happened before I went into recruit school because um, I, I taught, as you know, I taught MOI uh -huh. and then I taught CIC and from CIC, I went to recruit school. I did the exact opposite of every other person that ends up working in the police academy. Most of them start in the academy and then they branch out into in-service. I did it the exact opposite way. Hey, did they ever put up shower curtains there in the, in the men's shower room? Yes, there, yes, there are in the new academy. Uh, there fuck, that sucks, man. Yeah, there's no more shower I, hopping. I, I, I used to, I used to spend three hours in there. <laughs> well, <laughs> I listen, wasn't, I wasn't. I used to do you. I used to do a lot of this. I wasn't done until the last guy got out. <laughs> Keith, uh, one of the things that we've been talking about a great deal is. Um, of course, the diaphragm law, and we had on Captain Monahan, a retired captain, who testified in state Supreme Court, and the diaphragm law was overturned as unconstitutional. I just want to show some of the training that the police academy is doing now, and then I'm going to show you the reality of how it works out on the street. I'm going to add this this video to the stream right now, and we're going to play it, and you you can down, down, get down the ground, get down the ground, get down the ground. Cuffing, cuffing. Sort of training. It's, uh, it's, it's retraining. Uh, we want to get the officers back in, in the academy, but back in the academy, and uh, just go over techniques they learned while they were in the academy. And um, we want them to get, we want, we want to bring them together as a platoon. Um, they was they get together, they get to communicate with each other, and they know exactly what what each other is, is learning. Um, they're able to use the same techniques uh, that, that they're learning here during the day three training. Uh, they learn about a uh, passive resistance. They learn about uh, aggressive, aggressive person. So Keith, you can see how ridiculous that is, right? Especially the cops that are out on the street. Now they're going to teach them how to cuff someone relative to the diaphragm law. And it's like, it's not, I don't even know how the instructors, it passes the smell test, that they're not laughing as they're teaching this horse shit. You know, you, you know what? I, I'm not going to sink my former colleagues. I think those guys do a terrific job in really, really terrible circumstances. Uh, I don't know if either one of you do any sort of boxing, any sort of martial arts training. You know, it doesn't even matter. You both do stand-up comedy, correct? <laughs> Or, yes. or I, yeah. I, I, I am a musician. You don't you don't get on a set of drums, play it once and say, I'm a drummer now. You have to continually practice this. And, and one of the ridiculous things about training 
is that, you know, at least in a lot of major police departments, what happens is you get trained in something, especially something physical and tactical like this. And then it's the Dominus Vibiscum, go in peace, serve the Lord. You are now trained. Right, right. Of course. You know, I mean, I mean, uh, honestly, you know, Keith, you're, Keith we're now going to show you how this works out or doesn't work out on the street. Okay. I got a gun out. Throw him down. <laughs> <laughs> You can see he's got a gun. You see that? It was only it was only one gun. It wasn't like he had two guns. Yeah, right? you know, I mean, but they should show this to the New York City Council and show them what jackasses they are. But, but, you know, almost, that, I I I apologize for cutting you off, Bill. But that but that's really what gets me. Like, you know. We can Monday morning quarterback that that video all we want. But the truth of the matter is police are part of society. And in my estimation, the idea of being a good citizen, civics, hasn't been taught in public schools in at least 40 or 50 years. And if there's anything that needs to come back, there's that. I, you know, I. Well, that's what Pat Lynch said today. In regards to, um, there was an incident with a fare beater on the subway, and he ran uh, into the into the car. There was a lot of cops, and at some point he kept resisting, no matter how many. Co uh, let's say at least five or six cops are surrounding him and trying to to arrest him, and he wouldn't. He was fighting, so somebody tased him, and um, Pat Lynch came out and said, "That's what happens." Because the uh, BLM came out right away and said that that is the um, perfect example of police brutality. That was their statement. And then um, Pat Lynch came out and said that that's what happens when you undermine the police department and you don't and you tell everybody it's okay to break the law. Because this, you know, nobody is a uh, you're under arrest doesn't mean anything. They're going to fight you. They're going to fight you. I'd say at least seventy-five percent of the times now, maybe more. Yeah. Why? No, why you know, yeah, Keith, you misunderstood. I I wasn't showing that video of the cops from the two-five to uh, criticize their tactics. No, I, 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 I well, I, why I was showing it was because those were the restraints they were put under, and not immediately drilling their knee into that guy's back and ripping his arm behind his back and get him, getting him cuffed. You can see I'm getting emotional and pissed and, as I say this. Because totally the city council risked the lives of these cops by that asinine law, and thank God it's been reversed. But you know something? They may appeal it and try to get it to go back to what it was. Well, everyone is so concerned about optics. Oh, this looks bad. For And Mark, I got to tell you, that term police brutality, I, I hate the term because what does it actually mean? It doesn't really mean anything. Because you know what? My idea of brutality and your idea of brutality can be two different things. So what we need to do is we need to start thinking about what is a reasonable amount of force and what is excessive. To me, I, and I'm assuming, I don't know how many people are watching this, but watching that video, I was cringing. I was, I mean, first of all, I don't understand why the gun comes out. I don't, I don't get that point. 
Secondly, I don't understand why they're not throwing this guy on the floor. That's that's my instinct. Get him down. You know, Keith, even in this photo that's on the scene, I I, I imagine that they're being taught the new tactics of how to get someone cuffed uh, without putting your knee in his back. And the people that we encounter on the street, many of them are stronger than us. Let's face it. Some yep. of them just came out of state prison. They got cell block D, cock diesel, you know, and uh, you have to use what you were taught in the academy we were taught, not this nonsense, because someone very strong, you know, the, the academy instructors before were showing, taking the guy down with absolutely zero resistance. Well, nobody's resisting in this picture right here. Everybody is compliant. So yeah, that's why of course. it's believe. Well, it's easy. It's easy to handcuff someone who's complying. That, you know. Anybody and, can and almost impossible to handcuff someone who's not compliant, even if they're no, no pounds, shit. you know. No shit. I I remember once I was trying to lock up, can't even use the term anymore. She was she was a known drug user to the department, and she was probably about a buck fifteen. She didn't feel like getting arrested. And it took me and three other guys to get her in handcuffs because she just well, started bugging out. Here's something that nobody ever talks about. A police officer's level of um, aggression is dictated by the person that they're trying to arrest. If the person's compliant, there's not going to be any problem. When they resist, you got to go to a higher level to, um, to, you know, to contain them. Absolutely. And it just keeps – the level keeps raising the more the person who's not complying um, – so it's up to them, really. And, and you I always got to go to a higher level because your your job is to arrest them, to contain them. If you know what I'm saying, if they're, I a hundred percent agree with you. I, I think one of the problems is that again, when we're talking about optics and how force is viewed, there there's this thought that policing should look pretty, and I don't know why that is. We we ask police to protect us. We ask police to put their lives on the line for us. And sometimes it doesn't look pretty. The optics don't look great. And, and I think, you know, I, my, one of my big pet peeves with the criminal justice system is that we're so concerned about defendants and perpetrators that we, we, we have really started forgetting about victims. By the way, that was one of my mentors. That's Ricky Taggart, who's teaching those guys. Oh, oh that's on, it's on the screen right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let me tell you something. By the way, the, the idea is that this person should not be arrested, that we are going to hold a town meeting right now, and we're going to tell you whether you can arrest this person or not. Now, I'm talking about in regards to the fair beating. The guy was walking, he had his friend open up the gate for him and he walked through. And you know, you're like, hey, come over here. And no, they just kept going. They just kept going right in the subway car, like nothing happened, and they weren't gonna get arrested. So that technically it's a crime. I mean, Bill will talk about it all day. He knows what happened. Uh, most fair beaters weren't being arrested for the longest time. The fact that these guys are actually taking action down there with the fair beaters right now, God bless him. And they probably did it right in plain view of the police. Yeah, of course. Why you know what I'm saying? Like the, the cop is probably standing right there and they did it right in front of him just to see what he would do and to create the scenario. Well, well they, they, that, that, that's one of the big problems is now everyone, you know, since, the, since we, we're, we're dealing with this sort of kinder, gentler police department mentality, people are testing to see how far you can push that line. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm, I am not happy with the way policing is being done today. And I'm definitely not happy with this idea of you have the right to do something, but you only have constitutional rights in so much as you are being a good, productive member of society. I, I mean, I, th this idea has not been taught. It, it, it's ridiculous. I, you know, I teach in a in a college of criminal justice. I can't tell you how many of my students have no idea what probable cause is. You want to get into the criminal justice system, you should probably know what probable cause is. 
that's just one example. I mean, God forbid if you ask them anything about constitutional rights. So I got my rights. What are your rights? That I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's it's true. A ask anyone that's not a cop. Do you have rights? Yes, I do. What are your rights? I don't know. I know I got them, though. And and thank God we know we got them. Well, we would have never got a confession if everybody knew their rights. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Trickery is allowed. Well, they're trying but, uh, to take they're trying to take that away too. They're trying to take the uh, that you know detectives are allowed to lie during a, an interview and interrogation. They're trying to take that away. And, and that goes back to the point I was stating that you know we're we're so concerned about defendants that we're forgetting about victims. I mean, I, I have to be honest with you, you know, Bill, I, 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 I'm a fan of this podcast, so I listen to you and, and I know you've been a staunch critic of this diaphragm law and this whole repealing thing, I don't think it even really matters because once the optics come out and, you know, I mean, there's 20 million cell phones out there, someone's going to upload it to wherever the hell they're going to upload it. The news is going to get it and then it's going to look bad. And then once it looks bad, everyone has to come out and speak against it and speak against police brutality, whatever the hell that means. I'm actually more concerned. I actually printed this up. By the way, it's funny. You know, I actually thought we would prep just a little bit and you never did. So this is truly off the cuff. There's <laughs> a state bill in the Senate that's close to getting passed that is revising the rules or the use of force for police officers and peace officers. Right, but that was already voted down. It was voted down? Yeah, that was voted down. That came from the state attorney general who's Letitia James. She's right. horrendous. She's a real her And in fact, the guy who just got the nomination, the Democratic nomination for the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, he was her assistant. So you see what we got coming up. Horrendous. Someone just asked in the chat, what do we think of Eric Adams? And what, what I can say about Eric Adams is, there was nine candidates for the um, Democratic nomination for the uh, for the mayor. He was the least bad. Yeah, that's all. That's all I could say. That's all I could say. I mean, the, the, the other eight were well, they. They should just go go back, go to China, and go wear wear a Mao shirt because they they were outrageous. All of them are ridiculous progressives. They have no concept that Maya Wiley. She said, "Oh, we can't do." Um, we, we can't do um, reform without justice and meaning like she didn't care about crime victims. She well, had, yeah. has no, no care at all about crime victims. You know? Well, I know, so, I know we're jumping from topic to topic, but another thing that I hear you talk about all the time is the bail reform stuff. And I'll be honest with you, the, the first part where they're not even offering bail, they're just letting everybody out. That's not even the worst part of it. The whole discovery laws that have changed now that you can allow a defendant to go back to the crime scene. What are we, whatever we're talking about sexual assault victims. I mean, you know, folks for, uh, for you fans out there, what discovery is, is that I apologize. The, the prosecution has to give all their evidence over to the defense in a timely fashion. Now the timely fashion uh, has been redefined to like two weeks after the incident, which, which is just, is ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Most district attorneys, Back in the day, they would wait for the day of trial and hand the defense attorney uh, uh, like two folders of, of, of evidence. And then they would, of course, the defense attorney said, oh, I need a, a different date. I can't. Well, one thing that people don't realize about bail reform and um, just giving out these desk appearance tickets where somebody doesn't go through the system is that a lot of these people are on medication. And if you've ever been arrested, you go, you're going to be asked at least five times during your processing how are you feeling are you on any medic uh, medication i know this because i always used to tell whoever i arrested yo shut the fuck up if you want to get out of here don't say nothing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. my point is this when you're not getting a when you're not going through the system nobody's asking you when the last time you took your medication was and if on the fifth time you tell somebody i'm a schizophrenic and i haven't had my medication in a month and all these people that are running around in the street and punching people in the face for no reason, they're probably people who would have, you know, and sometimes people need a break, by the way. Sometimes you've been on the street for too long. A nice little two weeks in Rikers is not a bad thing. 
You get recharged. You get three square meals a day. I'm not even kidding, man. I, plus, I, I, plus, you get a prescription for your medicine again. All these people, none of them are going through the system. They're all out there off their meds, punching fucking regular people in the face. I saw a video of a guy in the Bronx. He poured a soda on top of an 83-year-old man's head for no reason. They're in the store, and he's just like you're laughing at him, and then the guy gets mad, and he punches him. And this is a, this is a young guy who's punching an 83-year-old man. Well, you know, I, it, not like I remember anything, but didn't haven't we contributed $1 billion in New York City revenues towards mental health? Yes. I, I mean, I... And de Blasio's wife ran it. That's why yeah, it was a total... Yes, drive New a, York City. A total disaster. Yeah, yeah crazy. Well, you know, uh, Keith, we mentioned before about bail reform. And uh, Commissioner Shea was just on the air the other night because a 16-year-old was shot dead in the Bronx. And uh, he, him and a few other guys had been released three times in the last few months for gun collars. Just released. I right. mean, and he said, what? This is outrageous. Can't you help us? And they have to give judges the authority to remand people that are a danger for themselves and others. And that's... That just makes sense. Uh, well, that, that comes from New York State. And, and, you know, that administration, I think, needs to change as well. The, his time has come, has come and gone, I think. Well, I, you, you hope that Cuomo will be held accountable for all of his sins. Uh, right? you, you know what? I, I like thinking that, but I, I, I well, just... Right. Yeah. I, I don't think it's going to happen either. But look, the guy made $5 million while he's working as the governor using his staff to write his book. All he did with COVID was have them prepare PowerPoints and read them. And for that, he won an Emmy. I mean, it's so, it's so pathetic. Yeah, it's, it's so pathetic. And well, then he goes, on, he goes on CNN believe. with his brother, two clowns and, and, and everyone's laughing. Oh, these guys are so funny. I didn't even chuckle, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm not a fan of either. Not a no, fan. I mean, uh, and you know, the thing is with the, uh, I think Eric Adams, and he has the Democratic nomination for mayor of the city. Can Curtis Slee would beat him? I, uh, very doubtful. This is what's going to happen. Something's going to happen in the city, and they're going to go up to Curtis Lee and they go, are you going to hire more cops? And he's, he's going to say, absolutely, because de Blasio, with this money, this extra COVID money that he had, he has the opportunity to hire more cops. And he said that he wouldn't. He doesn't need them. Right. But there's going to be something that happens during the summer now. Uh, and they're going to ask Sliwa, would you? Ha and he's going to say absolutely. And then they're going to ask Eric Adams, and he's going to have to say yes. He's going to have to say yes because if he says no, he's going to lose. Remember, I said that. I, I, I'm in total agreement with you on, on that. Plus, I mean, you know, President Biden and him are having conversations now, so he he's he's the anointed blue candidate. You know, I. I in, in a city, in a city like New York, I can't. I mean, you unless major happens and Sliwa can do something with that, no way. Is it, what, um, has, what's that saying? There's a lot of room between a slip, uh, a sip, and a lip. Yeah. Uh, you know, look at what happened to Andrew Stein. What, what was that guy? Not Andrew Stein. What was the guy's name that he lost to Bloomberg? In the right, in the right towards the end, he had some. Uh, Mark Green. It was Mark Green. Green. Yeah, he had some corruption thing. I worked with like four guys that were all like powerlifter guys that were out of their minds. Really? And uh, <laughs> their sergeant called them up and they go, uh, they're old sergeant. We were in the Warren squad. And they go, hey, do you want to do uh, Bloomberg's detail? Uh, he's never going to win, but at least you don't have to catch cases for, you know, a couple of months. Then and then he won. <laughs> and then they won the big on the detail. You know, but that was like the perfect storm. It was after 9-11. Yeah, they all uh, got sent back, though, one by Ju one. Giuliani, yeah, Gi Giuliani endorsed Bloomberg. Bloomberg was really a Democrat uh, wearing Republican clothing. You know, so it was the perfect storm. I don't know if a Republican under not a perfect storm can beat a Democrat in New York City. Well, uh, if anybody could, uh, listen, if you're my age, you know Curtis Lee from – uh, a guardian angels. Right. What did they start in the early eighties? No, seventies. I think seventies, right? I think late seventies. 
So you know who he is. I mean, listen, Mayor Koch was a New Yorker too. He used to stand by the train station. Remember that? How am I doing? Yeah, that's right. How am I that's doing? Right. Well, you know what? That that's you know. I I know we're really supposed to be talking cop stuff, but I mean, the 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 political shift in this country is incredible. I mean, Ed Koch today, I don't think he'd be a Democrat. No, he'd, he'd no, be he an independent. He wouldn't. You're right. No he way. Would. Nobody. No, none of the Democrats would be. No, you have to skew so far left to be considered a Democrat now. I mean. And I, for me, I don't I don't see much common sense in what things are being done. I mean, yeah. I don't care who's in power. I, I want common sense policy that, you know, and I think most Americans, most New Yorkers, that's what they want. They want common sense policy. Uh, th thank you, Black Rose, for the uh, $2 Super Chat. Uh, we're going to go to a quick commercial and then we'll come back with our guest, Keith Ross, Master Instructor at the New York City Police Academy. He's retired now. He teaches at John Jay College of Criminal Justice. And we'll be back in a second after this little uh, commercial announcement. Folks, are you getting sick and tired of New York City, the taxes, the crime, the Blasio, all kinds of things? Do you want to move down south to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina? Well, we have a great realtor. Her name is Carol Waters. And she used to work at the Fitzpatrick Hotel for 20 years as a bartender. Her and her husband, Rab, Rob Mayen, was a former NYPD police officer who rolled over to FDNY. They're a team down there. They're a million-dollar sales team in real estate in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So whether you want a vacation home, a condo, or a regular home, give Carol Waters a call, 914-261-6681, or you can email her at carolwaterssellsmb at gmail.com. If you're a fan of the show, you already know. Joe Murray is uh, one of our regular guests. He's our legal expert. He's a retired NYPD police officer, a boxer, and uh, he's a great lawyer. He's uh, This is his law firm, jmurray.com. If you get in trouble and you need a lawyer, trust me, you could. this is the guy you want to call. Uh, he's going to be on your side, especially if you're a member of the service or if you're a family member of somebody uh, who's a member of the service. Uh, his phone number is right here, 646-838-1702. You know, I, I, uh, I'm a comedian. I'm in the city every night, and um, I have his number on speed dial, just in case I call every day, see how everybody's doing. And just in case you tell a bad joke, you might need a legal, you might need a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Peter Pranzo, he's the best. Lieutenant Peter Pranzo from Harlem Raiders fame, and Pete Knows this job in and out, even though he's been out a long time. But uh, him and his wife, Richella, are two of our biggest fans. Thank you so much for supporting Police Off the Cuff and Police Off the Cuff After Hours, Real Crime Stories. Thank you so much, Lieutenant Pete. Folks, this is uh, Keith Ross, who was a NYPD Police Academy instructor for over 10 years. And we're interested, as guys who have been out of the job for a while, to know what they're actually teaching there these days, you know, and... Uh, Keith, I'm going to show another. Uh, I'm going to show another quick, um, quick video of what's going on in the police academy, and uh, you can comment on it after it's over. But I'm going to, uh, I'm going to bring this ad up. You know, just it gives us a little flavor of what what's actually going on uh, in the police academy. Let me share the screen here. This looks easy, but it's not always so easy. I believe you're well aware. Okay, guys, you're almost ready. I only had to go. Series in search of photojournalist Mauro Brutoli and editor Marilyn Salloway are giving us an exclusive look inside the New York City Police Academy. A former lieutenant. <laughs> Instructors, inspector companies, 
of two in the right forward march. Today we're going to talk a little bit about neighborhood policing, why it's important to have community ties. To build trust. To build trust. It helps with cooperation as far as investigation purposes go. So community relations helps us solve crime. It gives us a better relationship with the people. Good morning, company. Good morning, sir. All right, good deal. Today we're going to talk about weapons. So a deadly weapon. Okay, you want to write this down. Any loaded weapon. <laughs> to the Samaria village for a call of a female who was acting erratic at the bus stop. arrive at the location, they actually realize that they're dealing with a person who has autism. Bus, 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 bus. They establish um, a connection with the deli owner, and he then informs the officer that he knows the female's mother. So they're able to get an address. And making contact with the mother, they're able to safely return the female back to her house. Deja vu. Yeah, yeah I, I, I can see Keith. You have some uh, tears running down your face watching. That's, you know, the, you know? that's the training that I used to do. Except uh, that was for the recruits. I used to do it for the in-service. Yeah, you did CIT. Yes. Yeah. Was it CIT? I, I think yeah, so. yeah, quite, yeah, crisis intervention, yeah. yeah, yeah. Keith, you know what sometimes kills me, and uh, not that I, I was never in the service, but I went into the police academy in 1985, and I, I really liked the discipline. I felt that you, they need more discipline, and I don't like when I see cops dancing on the street or in a radio car singing a song. I just think it's so it makes the police department just look asinine, you know, and. I think that they need to know that, you know, it's a paramilitary organization and they should act and behave accordingly. You know? you know what? I agree with you, Bill. But see, here's the thing. If they didn't send out people from other states to protest here in New York, then everybody would know who the cop of the month was. But because when these protests happens, they're shipping people in. They don't give a, a, a rat's ass who... Uh, the cop of the month is they're going to hit you in the head with a brick and a bottle and they're going to instigate. So that's why this whole idea of community policing, it, it it's limited. It's limited until the time something pops off, which happens a lot. And as soon as something pops off and you start bringing these people from out of state, because that's what they do now. They, 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 uh, they call them in and now we're going to protest like a shooting. 
They're gonna go and they're gonna they're gonna protest, but they're not just the no the the neighborhood people anymore. Yeah, well, that, that's perfect. they come from all over. They don't care if you're the best cop in your in your community and that you all do all no. these things. They're professional agitators. Well, you know, yeah. we were to we were talking about the 20 year anniversary of 9 11 coming up and how people uh, sort of held the New York City Police Department on a pedestal after that, but it only it only lasted for about three months. And yeah, after yeah. that, it was we were back to being you know, the bad guys again. But it's I just think that you know to to be prideful and hold your head up high, I think you have to act in a certain way, you know. And uh, I just you know that's me. I just don't go for that stuff. Uh, you know, I I think I think in the academy, mo most of the instructors there, I think they do a pretty good job of that of trying to maintain discipline. But uh, you know, we're in a dip. <laughs> We're we're old dinosaurs, my friend. Yeah. You know things of you, you know, know Keith, Keith. When I used to teach CIC, I used to get such a kick out of, you know, I was wearing a suit and tie. I would walk into a classroom of recruits, and they would pop up and stand at attention. Yeah. And one time, the first time I did it, I laughed so hard I almost needed oxygen. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. I go, yeah. that was for me. <laughs> you know? uh, Keep it up. I'm going to tell everybody your secret because you have you know, identity. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> when when you look at the uh, the new facility, the new academy, and I had an opportunity to work there for I don't know for the last four years, doing CIT, uh, compared to the old academy, like what we just saw in the video right now, that gym is amazing. Absolutely, um, they have built. I don't know if you've been there, but they have sound. Yeah, I took I took my class from the college I used to teach at. Yeah, they have they, times, yeah. they have professional sound stages. Um, at least three of them, one on each floor, and they're broken up into these like one's a deli, one's a bank, one's a courtroom. Not only do they have courtrooms, but they have traffic courtroom, they have uh, uh, they have a precinct, they have a basic, yeah. they have a desk, they, a cell. they have the desk, they have the cell. All the training that they're doing now, we used to when I was in the police academy on uh, what was that, 21st Street. Yeah. Used to run up and down the stairs with the radio, right? One person. It, it, it's a it's a little more realistic, and you know, I think for what it is, they did a, a pretty good job. Um, for anyone that's ever been in the academy, it's almost like walking around in an airport, going from the east wing to the oh, west. Yeah, yeah. So you get a good workout just walking. Yeah. Some yeah, cops think, actually do that. That's their workout. They walk from one end to the other, final, walking one way or something like that. Some ridiculous number. Yeah. But don't the instructors, they can't be as strict as they were back in our day. I remember if you didn't make the run back in our day, you were named a sumo, which stood for someone who was fat. Yeah. They would, they would put you in the middle of the, 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 the ring of disgrace and you <laughs> dropped out of the run. I heard they can't do that anymore. Uh, you, you can get away. You, you, how about that? You can push the envelope. And I, I definitely was one of those guys. If any of my former recruits are on here, that they will attest to me pushing that envelope as far as I could take it. You know, I mean, I, you know, uh, one of the things that I, I don't know if you guys are aware of now is that the puzzle palace can now watch the classrooms, the individual classrooms. Oh, oh wow. look at TV. That yeah, was there, always there, fear. There, there's, there are cameras in all of the classrooms. That was wow, look, that, he looks really professorial in that picture. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Did you get that beard from the police academy equipment section? I, I certainly hey, did. Uh, <laughs> on discount. Hey, Bill, let me give a shout out to Anna Serrano. Um, sure. She's just retired. And she was a great cop. Uh, I didn't work with her, but I, I knew her from the job. And uh, congratulations, Anna. Congratulations. God Anna bless. Serrano, welcome to the uh, world of the, uh, the retired, I guess. you know. That's right. Retired, retired doesn't mean you're retired. You can do things that you uh, didn't have a chance to do in your life. Rachella Pranzo, thank you so much for the $5 super sticker. Rachella and Lieutenant Pete, two of our biggest fans. Uh, Anna Serrano, she says she's on the desk right now. So we got people listening to us on the police department. I wonder if we would be banned by IRB or something, you know? Did she retire? She says, I'm not retired, Mark. Oh, uh Fuck, I thought she just posted it's, that yesterday. It's, it's like saying someone was pre prematurely dead. Yeah. No, they're not. Dead, isn't she? <laughs> isn't that funny? Yeah, you're right. That is, that, that's what it's like. <laughs> I remember the police academy, uh, the run when it was at its peak, a mile and a half. 
was 27 times around. And I went into the, uh, you know, I was young. I went into the Academy of Phenomenal Shapes. So that run was nothing for me. So, and we were in company 55, which was the first one to go around. Okay. We led the whole thing. So after the first lap, I used to go, 26 more. <laughs> and the reason why I did that, that I used to want to see everybody drop out. By the time I said 25 more, you can see the whole, the whole middle was full of people holding their ankles, their shins. <laughs> I was and they in always, six months. Yeah, they always told you, oh, you know, you're not going to graduate. But they were right there with us. Yeah. Mind over matter. Get it out of your mind because it don't matter. Keith, what is the one thing that, um, that you had to teach at the police academy that made you cringe? Cringe stuff? <laughs> That's like asking the comic what was his best no, set. No, no, no. I, I, uh, for some reason, at one point, I sort of became the stop, question, and frisk guy. Oh, and wow. I guess one of the reasons I, I was is because what's the case? Uh, Zimroth versus the NYPD or something? Well, I had the federal monitor come into my class and he went into a few law instructors classes and watched us teach what's called investigative encounters, which is that whole stop question and frisk, reasonable suspicion. And I guess the, the department decided in its infinite wisdom that they were gonna retrain everybody in stop, question, and frisk. And so uh, again, I, I can't escape you salty detectives. There was a, a full uh, room full of detectives and I had to reteach them stop, question, and frisk. Wow. Uh, to me, that was, I've had a lot of cringe worthy moments in my life, but that was the cringiest because I mean, you know, you know, they, un I, you know what, within an, within an hour, they understood where I was with it all. But I mean, you, you walk into that. I mean, you know, first of all, you know, there are guys with more time on their second graders and first graders in there. And, you know, what, what what's this silver shield going to tell them? You know, hey, let me tell you something, man. I was an instructor, too, for five years but for the detective bureau. And when you see the the faces of the people coming in for training, oh, there's nothing that can motivate you less than watching detectives that are actually like in a squad doing detective work, have to drive all the way to Brooklyn to get some training that they don't want. Yeah. You got to see that. Where do I sign? Well, what, time, what? what time are we out of here? Well, I think that's the problem because most of us recognize that a lot of this training it's reactive to something that's going on politically. It's not training to help you. I mean, my, my stop question and frisk training, you know, every everyone realizes that it's a whole CYA. So if you don't know how to fill out a 250 now, you know, it's on you because Ross trained you. you know, but Keith, in the, Keith, in the same way, um, I always felt on the police department that knowledge was power. And if you got if you had an encounter on the street and you got questions about it in court, you had to have the knowledge to articulate why you did it and why you were intrusive. I mean, there were times on the stand, I admitted to punching a guy right in the face. And they said, why did you do that? Because he was resisting. So I punched him in the face. And, you know, now they'd probably be like, oh, my God, call call the police, get him arrested, you know. But back to, you know, I, I admitted because I knew I was right. I knew I was in within, you know, reasonableness. and that. That, that word we seem to have lost, you know, reasonableness. We're definitely losing that word. And I think I think California already has changed reasonable to necessary. And that's why I had brought up that litigate, that uh, bill that was sort of lingering in the Senate, because they it seems that they want to change it to necessary. Necessary opens up a, a big can of worms. One, what actually is necessary? And the one that really scares me, who determines what is necessary? Is it right? You know, the same thing in what you know, the Supreme Court justice that just reversed the diaphragm law to him. What was written in it, it was more the language he determined it was unconstitutional because the idiots in the uh city council they're not attorneys, so they wrote this with you know, plain regular language that they don't understand. Well, and that's so why it was reversed. Well, thank God for that. Uh, you know. 
I, I just hope that the people need to realize that, you know, I, I, I always say this, that policing is not meant to be pretty. It shouldn't be abusive, but it doesn't have to be pretty. I mean, sometimes the end, the ends just does justify the means. And I think that is getting lost. We're, we're so worried about the means that no one cares about society flourishing. And look at the impact that it's having on New York City. I, I taught at John Jay last week. I, in, incredible. I mean, excrement on the floor. I mean, it's just ridiculous. This yeah, is not well, you know, it's what, it's what the citizenry and the electorate uh, should expect to put up with when they keep electing what do they say the definition of insanity is? Is keep doing the same thing and expecting different results? Right. That's what they keep doing. They yeah. keep electing these progressive progressives and expecting different results. Guess what? You're going to get the same results. You know, Cuba's running around holding uh, American flags, and we won't even cover it. We won't cover it because we're trying to turn this country socialist. Wow. They're going through a revolution over there. They're in the streets. We when, won't even cover it here. Listen, don't, don't, don't dare bring up Cuba because that doesn't fit a narrative. You and I know that they won't Those even cover it. it. What's going on over there right now? Look, they, they cut off their internet, and they cut off their internet, they cut off their banking. You know the why they did that? Because they didn't want them to be able to watch police off the cuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was causing that revolution. Police off the cuff after hours and real crime stories was causing the revolution in Cuba. And I don't know if you guys know this. Yeah, I have a big pull in Cuba. I don't know if you guys knew this. So, you know, it's like um, that, that, that whole Cuban thing is just a travesty. And I, I mean, it caught everybody off guard. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to answer. You know what? You, that you, was the direction they want this country to go in. And now they're seeing a catastrophe right in front of their eyes. So how do you keep pushing this agenda right now about socialism when they're, they're asking to come over here. And not only that, but they don't want them here. They don't want the Haitians here. Yeah. They don't want the Cubans here because they're not going to vote Democratic. The, the, the guy, the, the head of the DHS, Homeland Security, his name is Mallorca. Want to take a guess what his, what his ethnicity is? He's Same. Cuban. Okay. You know how he got into this country? The same way all of these Cubans are trying to get into now. And he's telling them, no, you're not allowed in. I don't wow. know. That that breaks my heart. And, and it's it's ridiculous. Uh, that breaks my heart. How do you go to sleep at night? I, I the the amount of chaos that is going on in the streets of Cuba, because there are people that are in touch with their family, and they're po you know one of the things about social media it becomes a primary form of history. Yeah. And yeah. people are reporting this stuff. I mean, it, my my heart goes out to these poor people. It, yeah, it really yeah. does. I I wish that I could donate. I don't think my donations would ever make it to one person. Yeah, they're asking, uh, what's the guy's name? I said Rubio, he asked that. Um, Marco Rubio, yeah. Marco yeah, Rubio, yeah. We turn on their uh, internet over there. And I didn't even know that was possible. Like, we we could turn on somebody's internet. Like, it's as easy as going like this. Just turn turn on their fucking, turn it on. It's all make-believe anyway. See, you, you know, you, you have these college types that talk about socialism as this sort of utopian ideal where every where everyone gets the same so we're all ahead they don't see what happens to socialism when it's put into practice that it basically becomes a government-run dictatorship and that what what do you have in cuba why wouldn't you see if you had a half a brain why wouldn't you want to see what's going on right now because sometimes people don't want to see the ob the objective truth they because, want to I'm just saying, like this is the this is what's going to happen. As soon as, uh, forget it. No, I know, more, no, I know more about this than I should. You know, Russia was giving them eight million dollars a day to survive, right. and ever since they took down that Russian wall, they're not getting that money no more. Yep, it's all been downhill ever since then. Eight million dollars a day they were getting from Russia. But, uh, again. I want common sense policy and no one is, is willing to enact common sense policy. I mean, does it escape anybody that you don't want to let Cuban immigrants in, but Mexican immigrants are okay? Like, 
is am I the only one that sees this? And maybe I'm screwed up, and, and I'm fine with that. Well, if it gets worse, they're gonna have to. I, they're gonna have to. There's I, no way that you could not. You're letting everybody else in and their mother. You what about if you just bring them to Mexico and let them come in that way? No, well, that that's the ridiculous thing. That that is the ridiculous thing. You know, Keith, I wanted just to get. I mean, we only have a few minutes left here. Uh, I, I I just want to know about certain things, like how. I mean, st there's obviously still stop, question, and frisk is still going on on the streets, but it must be so stringent, and it must put the officer at such risk to himself because I know they got to fill out like a uh, a notebook full of notes when they stop someone, but they're still pulling guns off the street. And the only way you can get guns off the street is through stop, question, and frisk. So what are you guys teaching the officers in the academy relative to that? And I understand most of the stuff they're going to learn about stops is going to be on the street when they go to their command. Well, you know, you know it, it's, it's standard whether you teach it in a police academy, whether you teach it in a college. You have to be able, excuse me, you have to be able to articulate reasonable suspicion. Uh, that That is what's being taught in the academy. And I don't think that stuff has really changed too much. I mean, you just have to have this individualized articulation. Of, I mean, it come, this comes straight out of the penal law, the quantum of knowledge necessary for a reasonable person to suspect that a crime has been, is being, or is about to be committed. I believe that's word for word right out of the penal law. Not, not too bad. And, and the person stopped is the one that's going to commit the crime. And, well, yeah, well. I, I did leave that part out, but yeah, that, and as long as you can articulate that, you can do the stop. You know, it's the frisk part that people uh, sometimes, you know, I, I try very hard to teach that, you know, you have to, it's got to be, it has to be a violent crime or you suspect weapons and you have to be able to articulate that. And as long as you can articulate that, it should be good. Now, more often than not, lately, these, these, Ter they're called Terry stops now. We remember them as stop, question, and frisks, but they're called Terry stops now. They've always been called Terry stops. We just never call them that. These Terry stops are being are successful, and you know this is something that I hear you talk about a lot, Bill. That back in the '90s, this was a crime tool that cops used to get guns off the street, and it was successful. And, and you know the question is, well, what happened? And you know. In the two in two thousands, uh, there there the ACLU has a statistic that I forget what year I think it was two thousand five two thousand and six that there were more Terry stops conducted against young black males than there were actually young black males residing in New York City. <laughs> you know, Keith, I'll be I'll be the first one to admit it. Stop question and frisk went off the rails when they started using it as a. There it is. Uh, activity when they started making it numbers. Five a month. Right. That's when it went off the rails because young captains who wanted to make DI were going out there with 10 cops and say, stop him, stop him, stop him. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's ridiculous. You know, I, I want to ghost town. And, and by, by the way, John Jay College did an outstanding report on that. Uh, I'm sure you know the report. And I think there was five commands in, in New York City that had like 90% of the stops. And right. the 2-3 two, the two, was one of them. Was it like the 2-3, let me, 7-5 or something? 7-5, 7-1, yeah. Hey, Bill. Uh, Tector Gorge. Hey, Bill Cannon. Are you related to Chaz Palminteri? I said I wish I was because then I would say, you guys could stay. Now you can't leave. <laughs> now you guys can't leave. Now you uh, uh, can't leave. <laughs> and Chick Eastwater brings up an interesting point. They're protesting in Miami, but focus on the imploding building. That's interesting that, um, you know, the news will continue talking about a building that's no longer there. You know what I'm saying? And not focus. Yeah, that's what they do. Well, I, I don't want to. I don't. I, don't I, I can see where the time is. So I'm not going to start, you know, my weird conspiracy theories on the media and how it connects to government. Oh yeah, everybody knows that. Yeah, it's not weird at all. It's a given. No. It's so blatantly obvious. Uh, did I answer your question, Bill? Like no, I no, no, you absolutely did. But I just wanted to know that we're not so, uh, you know, biased in the fact that the department can do no wrong. In that incident with making stop, question, and frisk numbers driven, 
they hurt a lot of really uh, aggressive units that that's they what them. they and died by because they were letting them. everyone or encouraging people just to stop people for no reason or well, an activity. You know, I think the three of us probably all worked in low socioeconomic commands. You know what? There, there's this assumption that no one wants cops in their neighborhood. That's nonsense. Ninety percent of the people that worked in your neighborhoods, that that lived in your neighborhoods, they're regular average Joes that go to work nine to five. They go to church on Sundays. They want it. They want their they want their streets to be safe. It as, as you said before, Mark. It's it's these professional agitators that are getting busted in, that are creating this chaos. That you know that you know police have become. The evil force. Well, if Lieutenant, we're Lieutenant Peter Pranzo, I love this. Stop question and frisk. Supervise mopes will not carry. You know, I, that, I don't. I wonder if, if Academy people still know that word mope. When I was in, when I, I was in, Manhattan, you know, in Manhattan, mope or scale or scale or anything like that. In Manhattan Central Booking, where they had the feet drawn on the floor, where the perpetrator would stand to have his picture taken. But where the feet were, it said mope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you can't do that. I don't think you can get away with that. No, I don't think you can. But look, it's still funny. It's yeah, still funny because back in the day, you know, back in the day, all precincts used to have their the name of their precinct on the front of the shirt, you know. And some of them got a little crazy, you know, mope busters, yeah. scale busters, you know, things uh, like that. Wasn't there, wasn't there an intramorter that you couldn't wear a buff shirt? Kelly tried to ban all yeah. precinct buffers. Yeah, he actually did. I don't think it worked. People still had them made up, you know. Yeah, you, I think you, I think you need that. I mean, you know, for anyone that's not a cop, you don't understand the camaraderie and the fraternity. Of course, and police off the cuff. We have our own slogan: "Dipped in butter," you know, and uh, <laughs> we talk about that all the time. We and folks, let me just—I uh, have to do a little promotion for us here. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, and we thank all of you that watch this show all the time. But we, in the last uh, month, we added four thousand subscribers awesome. to our uh, to our YouTube, and we're so proud of that. We're so happy, and I we have a lot of people to thank all you folks that watch the show. But we also want to thank Duty Ron, who's helped us tremendously by sharing a lot of his fans. He turned on his fans to our show. And it's really been working out. And we'll, believe me, we are working really hard to make this show better and better and better. And and Mark and I have been doing this now for two and a half years. And uh, we're hoping, you know, that that's, the sky's the limit. We actually we don't want to put on any limits. So we have a um, also a Patreon. You can join us on our Patreon. If you like us, subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook. You know, we answer our emails. I try to answer as many of the comments as I can, but sometimes it, there's so many of them, uh, it's tough for me to answer them. And especially when we do a real crime show, people are asking crazy stuff. And I try to answer as many as I can, but thank you, everyone out there, for supporting Police Off the Cuff. Mark, any final words? Uh, I just wanted to say, yeah, um, if you uh, check out our Patreon, Bill has a true crime show there. That's great. They uh, they're doing phenomenal work. I just uh, I have my story time with Mark DeMeo. I started a new thing now called Crime Time with Mark DeMeo. I just put up um, a interesting story, a funny story. That's what I like to do. That's my my uh, my niche. Tell stories, funny stories, and uh, this one's called Crime Time. It has to do with uh, stories that are happening in the news and uh, that that are related to crime and why I think they're funny. And I just posted one up today. So if you're on Patreon, you're one of our subscribers, check it out. And if you're not, please check it out. We have three levels on Patreon. For $7 a month, you're the bucket. For $9 a month, you can get to polish my rack. And for $11 a month, you get them dipped in butter. And that's the most popular one to have them dipped in butter. <laughs> Ryan Investigative Group, thank you so much for the $5 super chat. And he says, with all of the experience, cops retiring, where are the new generation of cops going to get practical experience? The detective bureau is a shell of what it used to be. Well, look, they'll, the police department will always survive. It'll always survive. It's just like, you know, a superstar. When I retired from homicide, six guys retired at the same time. Everyone was like, oh, my God, the city's in trouble. No, they survived. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Only ever I mean, a number. 
Yeah, that's true. You know, everyone feels like they're irreplaceable, but no one is irreplaceable. That's the truth, especially in the police department. Yeah. And you guys out you guys out there in radio cars, uh, please listen to us, but don't do what we tell you. You know, don't use the words we use. They you'll get a CD, you know. I heard you can't even call perps perps anymore. What's the new name for a perp? You know what? I haven't heard that. Is it, is, okay. is, is it the accused? What is it? I mean, that's no, such you have a good to call, word. You have to call them by their pronouns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, excuse right me. Call you. Imagine that. Excuse well, me, criminal. Uh, criminal. A, she, she, his perp. <laughs> At the end, it's always started. Don't get me started. Oh, Angelique, <laughs> Angelique Lafredo, a great detective from the 19th Squad. She says you have to call him a subject. There I you go. That would, that's like DA's language, you know. Uh, exploitation nation. I love that name. My best, which is I, my best lifelong friend is a homicide detective for a long time in Arlington, Texas. God bless him. That's God's work investigating homicides, folks. Uh, we basically used all our time. We want to thank Keith Ross, who is a currently a professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, taught 10 years at the New York City Police Academy. That's just a pretty interesting show. We try to have an eclectic group of people. I don't just like to have superstar gunfighters on our show, although they are some of the most interesting people. We like to have the kinder and gentler people, too, on our show. Yes, That's why yes. we invited Keith Ross. Oh, I appreciate that. Bill, Mark, thank you so much for having me. I, as I said, I'm a, I've been a fan for a while. Can't even believe that you actually bought getting me on to this show. <laughs> that you bought the line. So I am deeply appreciative to everyone that's out there. Please stay safe for my former recruits. I miss you guys. Be safe out there. Thank you, Keith. Thank you. Everyone else on the chat. Thank you so much for being with us and good night, everyone.